America, God bless our constitutional republic, and God bless Thanksgiving. I hope everybody's prepped and ready to spend some some quality time with the family members. I'd love that. Those that we don't get to see that often, the people that we love the most, and I hope that everybody's prepped and ready to enjoy all the football and all the festivities and all the pageantry that is Thanksgiving. You're trying your best, but it never feels like enough. And that everybody gets an opportunity to spend the time with the ones that they love the most. I won't be doing that. And enjoy the holiday that is Thanksgiving. And give a little thanks and be thankful for the things that we have in our lives, i.e. being American citizens and having the opportunity to live in this country and live under the rights that this country gives us, our Constitution gives us. That's true. But needless to say, I'm Andrew Britton, host, Red, White, and True podcast, here to do a midterm analysis, a bit of a recap and takeaways of what we've seen from the midterms. Now smile, you look terrified. And yes, I understand that some of you may be a bit disappointed at the results of the midterms because there were a lot of pundits out there saying that there was a big red tsunami coming. And if you listen to any of the previous podcasts, I was a bit more apprehensive, um, a bit more cautious about making those types of predictions and expecting that to happen just on the manner in which the way the midterms laid out and where the elections were held. But I want to start this by saying this podcast is going to be a bit different. I'm not necessarily going to play the clips like I do from other news media sources in this podcast. I just want to have a conversation between us. Give it to me. You guys, I'd like to think at this point, if you're back here listening to me, that you trust my voice. Of course. You trust my opinion. You trust my fact-based arguments and the fact that I give you facts and factual-based arguments, data and statistics that you can go fact-check that are true. And that's hopefully why you come back and listen. Yes! And I I took some time after the midterms to kind of regroup and try and put together a game plan for the next two years. I didn't have a great deal of lead up doing this podcast into these midterm elections to enact the type of of change or impact that I I really would, would hope and like that I would be able to enact on people. Like I said, I feel like I've been successful if I have helped one voter go to the polls as a more informed voter, no matter which direction they vote. If they want socialism and they voted that direction and they were more informed based on the issues that we talked about and they went and voted for all Democrats, then God bless them. That's what they want. We get the government we vote for. What were you doing? Okay, but in this podcast, it's going to be more me talking about what I saw from these midterms and why we saw those things, what the issues were, how they affected the elections, and also the manner in which we conduct our elections and how that's affecting election results. What? Also, the disgraceful conducting of elections by some states that we have out there that really need to take a long, hard look at themselves in the mirror because the world is laughing at America. The originals of this election, modern election system that we have, For the fact that we can't count votes. What are you doing, you moron? It takes us two weeks to count votes. I mean, we have places that are still counting votes. That is an absolute joke. And the world is just laughing at us. That's bad math. But it also lends itself to people not trusting those results. When it takes that long to count, people are less likely to trust that result. True. So we need to get back to a place. All states need to look at other states and see who has the best 
election policies and who conducts the best elections and take some notes and take some keys and figure out how every state can do it better. But most importantly, we need to ensure that only United States citizens are voting in these elections. Of course. That has to be the case. Because if that is not the case, we are opening ourselves up to a level of corruption from foreign governments, the likes of which would be disastrous for us as a country. Wouldn't that be embarrassing? Do we really want to let the Communist Chinese Party choose our government or the Russians by allowing non-citizens to vote in our elections, which is absolutely preposterous? Stupid. But like I said, this format's going to be a bit different, but we're going to hammer into the midterms here. Look at what the results were. Look at what the issues were. How did the results come to be the way that they were? Why did that happen? And then we're also going to come off the backside of that and look at some of these news dumps that some of these stories that were affecting the Democrats going into the the midterm elections. So shiny. All of a sudden, the mainstream media, a couple of days after the election, dumps the truth about these stories. Your organization's terrible. And they wait until right after the election, which was not an accident, because just like we saw similar to 2020 with the Hunter Biden laptop. That's true. These issues can affect elections. And the fact that they're doing this on purpose, I think, is really disgraceful and disgusting. But it's things that we need to come to expect and understand. And I think the Democrats do a much better job of understanding this post-COVID modern election system with these drop boxes and ballot harvesting and all this stuff that just lends itself to corruption. Come on, man. But it's not changing anytime soon. And the only way to change it is to get people into office who are concerned with holding secure elections. I'm tired of being right. But we're going to get into those issues, you guys. But like I said, format's going to be a bit different. It's going to be me talking on this one. Yeah, we'll have the cute sound drops and the funny little sound sound clips of whatever the silly stuff that, that goes on in the background of these podcasts and the things that I say. But primarily, it's going to be my voice today talking about the midterm elections and all that it was. And then some of the recent news stories that we'll hit quickly that came off the back end of the midterm cycle. So let's get into this. Don't run away from your feelings. So let's dive right in to a wrap up of the midterms here um, on hitting the high points, really, about what happened with the midterms, what were the key factors, and what do I believe really affected the election that led to us not getting the red wave that many pundits had predicted. I think one of the primary reasons for that is because Democrats are much better at being able to navigate this new election system, that it's not just votes being counted on election day. I never heard I never heard that one before. It's this early voting process that they have really found ways to navigate much, much better. They are starting their campaigns much, much earlier. A part of that is because oftentimes the Democrat has more money than the Republican does in the can in the campaign. But it's also a strategic thing in which Democrats, given the early voting situations in many, many states, blue and red states, are really getting themselves way out ahead and building a big lead before you really ever get a chance to have a debate or before Republicans even start their campaigns. That's crazy, town. So I think it's imperative that Republicans really step back and analyze the way that they're navigating this new election system because they're clearly not being very effective at winning those early votes. You can't go into the election 
down by a zillion votes and then expect that you're just going to come back all in one day because it's not realistic to think that every single one of your voters is going to have the opportunity to get to the polls, which is in, in itself an inherent problem. Um, election Day really should be a national holiday, and anybody who does want to vote in person should have as many strict restrictions as possible removed from them to allow them to exercise their constitutional right to vote as long as they are a qualified American citizen that has been here for long enough and registered to vote. And it only makes common sense. That should absolutely be the case. But outside of that, we also, those places that do early mail-in voting, need to come up with much better systems and structures in which they count those votes. Will you shut up, man? I.e. Ohio, Georgia, Florida, Texas, some of these places that have larger populations and have early voting, but yet still find a way to count the votes really quickly, providing confidence to the voters that whatever the result may be, that the voters can have confidence in the result that they have provided back to them quickly after the polls have closed. This delayed counting is a big problem, be it accurate or not. It simply brings into question the validity of an election. It only lends itself to people coming up with conspiracy theories about why it's taking so long to count the vote, especially when oftentimes the mail-in votes are counted last. I'm coming directly to you for ask a quick favor. Republicans go to bed seeing their candidate winning, wake up in the morning and see that that lead is gone or it continues to creep down and down and down until the Republican loses, which the primary bulk of that is because most of the mail-in votes are Democrat votes because Democrats have much better found ways to navigate that system and campaign earlier in the election cycles. This can't actually be happening. It's just a fact. Republicans have to figure out how to better navigate this system. I think that Governor Kent Kemp in Georgia did a really good job of laying out a, a really good structure for how to do this in Georgia for Republican candidates. He really did a good job understanding that he couldn't just get pounded in the early vote and still win the election. Or at least he understood that if he wanted to win by the margin that he legitimately was supported by the Georgia voters, he needed to get a good portion of that early vote and not be getting crushed going into election day. Whatever happened to him? The other takeaway is this, you guys. America is clearly divided, very divided. And despite the failures of the left, let me tell you why I suck. And some of their very radical policies, be it foundational type policies as far as energy and the manner in which they handle inflation and the economy. Oh, I killed it! We also see even their radical social policies as far as some of this transgender stuff and some of these sexualizing children and CRT and some of the stuff that's getting taught in schools and their total failure on the border didn't really hurt them. And a big part of that is because of the fact that the mainstream media tells their story for them. So even if you're a Democrat, you can be at a huge disadvantage because you have monetary advantages and Republicans are constantly pushing uphill against your, your message. Because 
The mainstream media is a propaganda arm for the Democrats. True. I'm going to explain, as if we didn't already know this, further evidence for why this is actually a fact a little bit later on in this podcast. But it's just a reality. We are very, very divided. And we're divided in a multitude of fronts. Ideology, skin color, religion, guns, so many different things. But one thing that I will say is that there are things that there is the perception that we are divided on, but we are really not as divided as we think we are. It's simply the perception that we are further divided. So there are many things that we actually are saying similar things, or we have a similar outcome that we want to get to, but the manner in which we express that message is much different on either side, either the left or the right. I think Democrats are wrong. And I think that if you're a conservative or if you're a liberal, you'd like to do a much better job at cleaning up that messaging so that you can bring voters in that are independents or that are moderates from the other side to be able to secure better margins of victory or more comfortable margins of victory in elections. If you simply allow this divide to to persist, we are going to continue to have these dug-in types of elections where despite the results of the policies from the people in power, we're still going to see 50-50 split elections that don't make any sense. Wrong is right. Another thing that I think we can take away from this is that polling needs to set up an entirely new structure for how they go about holding polls leading up to elections because the existing polling system is completely broken and does not work for the manner in which we hold elections now and the way that people vote now. That's bad math. And I think that's that's pretty clear at this point because most of the polling was way off. And from a logical perspective, the polling that was out before the midterms did make sense because all of the issues were in favor of conservatives. The Democrats had bungled things so bad and the country is in such a really tough position right now. Inflation and the way everything laid out, it should have been a much larger gain for conservatives. But unfortunately, for those of us who are conservatives, conservatives, Republicans did a good idea, get a did a good job laying out the issues, but didn't necessarily do a good job laying out solutions to voters. So the problem with that is, well, of course, you idiots, we can all figure out what the issues are. We all know what the issues are. But what are you going to do to solve the issues for us, for God's sake? That's the reason why we put you in office, not to tell us what the issues are. We tell you what the issues are. You tell us how you're going to fix them. And I don't think Republicans did a very good job of constructing well-thought-out messages to deliver to voters, especially independents and moderates, that gave them any confidence, especially given the fact that there's a Democrat sitting in the White House, that if they put Republicans in, it wasn't going to just be a complete lame duck session and absolutely nothing was going to get done. At the end of the day, there is an awful lot of power that is held in Congress that can force things to get done. But Republicans need to prove to voters that they're willing to stand up and act on the solutions that they provide to the issues in order to get confidence of voters for voters to put them in office. And clearly that didn't happen with a great 
number of Republican candidates. I guess that's your theory. The other thing is, is that while many Donald Trump backed candidates did really well in primaries, they did not do very well in general elections. And if you are a conservative like I am, that should be something that you are looking at very, very closely. And for as grateful as I am to Donald Trump for the the changes that he made in this country and his exposure of the globalist agenda and establishment Washington on both sides of the aisle, the fact that they oftentimes both believe in the same things, they say different things, but they're actually both working in the same direction, that isn't in the best interest of the American people. So I will forever be grateful to Donald Trump for doing that, but the country will never change if we don't get conservative leaders to win elections to therefore change the policies that are causing such problems for us. How hard can that be? Do you guys see the inherent problem with that? So I really wish Donald Trump would just sit back in the background, retire from politics, and be a giant fundraiser and a, air quotes, kingmaker. It's not about you. If that's what you want to call it. But clearly, clearly, Ron DeSantis in Florida was able to achieve pulling over voters from the middle, independents, and moderate Democrats to vote for him in his landslide election. Is it true? And it wasn't just Ron DeSantis. It was candidates all across Florida. So clearly, Ron DeSantis has the trust of the voters in Florida based on his record, based on his policies, and based on the results and solutions that he has provided to the issues that are facing Floridians. That's nice. It seems really simple, right? We identify the issues, and then we lay out really clear, common sense solutions for those issues and how it's going to help people's lives. It doesn't feel like Republicans did a very good job of that, especially when many of the Trump-backed candidates were getting phone calls from Donald Trump, pressing on them to continue to stay on the 2020 election. And at the end of the day, guys, we can relitigate the 2020 election all we want to and all the inconsistencies and all the the hogwash and all the nonsense that happened during that election and all the stuff that just doesn't flat make sense. But relitigating that election is going to get nobody anywhere. I can't lie! Joe Biden's in the White House and he's not going anywhere. You know what you got. He's got two more years. And that's just a fact. Relitigating 2020 is not going to change that. Nobody can do that. So at the end of the day, I think that was another problem that Republicans had, in particular Trump-backed candidates, was that people saw them as too backward-looking. Where we have so many issues that we're facing right now, we need forward-thinking, bright, intelligent solution creators in office to fix the issues and problems that we have today, to make Americans' lives better, to make America great again on the world stage, so that America can enact its power and influence better around the world to help more people around the world. Because inherently, if America is not strong, we don't have the same type of global impact that we could if our house is in order. And our house is clearly not in order right now. Our country is in serious trouble. And I am very disappointed in the manner in which these elections went. And it kind of defies logic to me But I had to take a step back from this to try to understand, how did we get to this point? And at the end of the day, I I really think that 
the biggest points from this is that the mainstream media is clearly on the Democrats side. And we know this. They are their propaganda arm. You are fake news. And this is why they withhold the truth about stories leading up to election time, despite the fact that the mainstream media knows the truth about these stories and knows the truth about some of these Democrat candidates, and they just simply don't tell the truth until after the election. Can't you stop lying? Also, because there are a multitude of lies simply told to the American people, and this was a huge, this had a huge impact on young voters. The lie that is student loan repayment. And let me tell you guys, student loan repayment would actually benefit me. I am not in favor of it whatsoever because I took my loans on I signed those contracts. They are my responsibility to pay back, not yours. They're mine. But at the end of the day, I actually would benefit from it. But I also understood that constitutionally speaking, there is almost no way that student loan forgiveness in the manner in which it is currently constituted, the way that Joe Biden used an executive order to push this legislation through, it was never going to actually happen. That's true. But many, many, many young voters believing that lie, believing that Joe Biden was going to forgive their debt, went to the polls in much larger numbers than expected and voted for Joe Biden and the Democrats. What were you doing? Use your common sense. Because of that student loan forgiveness issue, that is never going to happen. They got tricked into voting for the Democrats. Wow, that's bad. Now, I do think that in some ways that may backfire on the Democrats come the next election cycle, because I think a lot of those kids are going to feel burned that, okay, we gave you our vote. You didn't do what you said you were going to do. We're still strapped with this debt that we didn't pay for all this time because you said you were going to forgive it. And now it has compounded interest and I owe more money and you didn't pay off my debt like you promised me that you were going to. The president has no intercourse whatsoever with the rest of the the world on dealing with these things. Also, I think the abortion issue played a much larger role than many of us anticipated, which is kind of mind boggling to me because just recently I saw like a 70 year old woman on TV saying that she was going to vote for Raphael Warnock in the runoff because she believed in women's rights and women's reproductive rights. And okay, sure. That's her prerogative. She has every right in the world to believe that way. And I'm being being guided by invisible forces. But given the fact that we have 40-year highs in inflation, we have chaos going on around the world, our foreign policy is a disaster, Our our energy policy is a disaster, we have crisis after crisis after crisis after crisis, many of them, most of them self inflicted by the poor policy of our current Democrat left socialist leadership because our leaders are stupid. Our politicians are stupid. But her primary issue was abortion. Logically, this makes no sense to me. Hmm, that's strange. Especially when you take into consideration the fact that abortion is not banned. It is not banned. It simply has been given back to the states. That's true. But because the mainstream media gets to push the narrative for the Democrats, And they get to shove this down people's throats and shove it down people's throats. And people don't watch other media outlets. They only watch the mainstream media outlets, which they grew up trusting. They grew up trusting those outlets. Please do your job. And social media impacts the younger voters. 
And up until here recently, and I think we're going to find out based on some of these congressional committees, that social media has been being impacted by the government and being instructed by the government to censor conservative speech. The system is a lie. At this point, I don't even think it's a debate. It is definitely happening. It is to what level has it been happening? And to what level was the government instructing or directing social media companies to do that? And free speech is another thing we're going to get into a bit later in the podcast here too. But as a generality, I think those are the breakdowns of where I think and how I think the elections were were really impacted. But I'll close my statements about elections by saying this, you guys. We have to clean up the election systems in some of these states. True. We have to ensure that only American citizens get ballots. True. Not just that American citizens are the only ones that can vote, but only registered voters, American citizens, get a ballot. Damn it. Period. This should be a bipartisan issue. True. Tell it like it is. We should want our elections to be as transparent and as effective and efficient as possible. True. Tell it like it is. The more we bring computers into this system, the more it opens itself up to being corrupted. Of course. In France, they do all paper ballots. Remember what that's like? Many places, and we've talked about this in previous podcasts, in Europe, for as much as Europe looks down their nose at us, for us conservative Americans, even they even think that the liberals in America are conservative, which I don't know. We, we've kind of gone off the deep end on that a little bit now, a little bit more Europe's direction. But even Europe is extremely apprehensive to do mail-in balloting. This can't actually be happening. France does almost exclusively paper balloting. And if you do have a mail-in ballot, it has to be for very, very specific circumstances in which you have to meet a certain criteria and you have to register in a certain way to go get that mail-in ballot and pick it up in order to actually have the ability to fill that ballot out and then mail it back in. I never heard, I never heard that one before. This is the most secure way to do it. Not to mention the fact that Election Day should be a national holiday in which nobody goes to work so that nobody is restricted or denied the right to vote because they didn't have enough time during their lunch break to wait in the line like they saw in Maricopa County. Give me what? Arizona, California, Nevada, Pennsylvania, to name the big ones, have to clean up their elections and get rid of the chicanery and the nonsense and the manner in which they conduct their elections so that they can elicit some, I don't know, trust from not just the country, not just their own voters, but the world. And it only makes common sense. The world is looking at us, America, the originators of this modern elect democratic electoral system, and laughing at the manner in which we hold our elections. <laughs> You should be ashamed of yourself. It's a joke. We are being laughed at. But that's about all I really want to get into as far as the midterms goes. You guys actually went longer than I wanted to, which if you listen to this podcast, uh, that's pretty commonplace. Um, I I seem to always go longer than I wanted to. Don't you have something to say? But uh, that's about as far as I want to get into the midterms here. And I I got a couple of things that I, I want to get into that I want to hit. There are some recent news stories here that 
pertain to free speech and uh, the border and immigration and a couple of things like that. So shut up and listen to my order. Whoa, whoa, whoa. It's a bit demanding, but the clip fit so well. And, and it really is pretty funny. But needless to say, all right, guys, here we are moving on. So I'm going to hit some topics of a couple of stories that got dropped on our head right after the midterms. I'm going to hit some headline stuff on some of these stories, just bullet point some stuff. Um, I'm going to start at the stuff that I'm just going to hit headlines on. And then we'll work our way into a couple of other things that I think deserve a little bit more attention because of really how disturbing that they actually are. And uh, we'll use those things to kind of lead us into the next podcast where we'll talk more in depth about some of the the bigger issues, the more disturbing topics that we're going to get into here as it relates to some of these stories, okay? Now smile, you look terrified. So the things I want to start with here first are how we see this disgusting tactic by the left and by the mainstream media again in another election cycle where they know the truth about a particular story or they know exactly what's going on in a particular situation, but yet they fail to tell us that truth until immediately after the election. Now, I know you didn't do this just to win an election. Okay, so let's start with those kinds of stories. So the mainstream media, CBS in particular, they came out and said that they had an independent analyst check the Hunter Biden laptop, and yep, it's real. Wow. Thanks, CBS. Welcome to the party, guys. Let me tell you why I suck. Welcome to the party. You're only two years late. That's it. But thanks, guys. Hunter Biden laptop's real. Yep, it is. True. And guess what? We're going to find out a whole lot more about it, and we're going to find out that Joe Biden is the big guy. I'm coming directly to you for asking a quick favor. But how involved he was in this Biden family syndicate that they used to push their last name around the world in order to enrich themselves to our biggest enemies. Okay, another one. Guess what, guys? MSNBC here recently, they came out. And guess what? The border crisis is real. I'm not going to be a mule. I, I, I'm, I, I, I got something to do. I got to go do boom, boom, boom. What? No way. They've been denying it this entire time. Candidates across the left denying that the border is real, saying that it's alarmist, right-wing, Republican, Fox News alarmism. And MSNBC, just days after the midterm elections, conveniently tells a story that says, the border crisis is real, and it's a humanitarian disaster. I never heard I never heard that one before. Okay, yep, thanks again. Welcome to the party, MSNBC. We've been seeing this for two years, but thanks for acknowledging to all of us how partisan that you are, how much you are a propaganda arm for the left. You are fake news. Telling their lies in order to help them continue to get elected and push their narratives on people. That's true. Another one here, interestingly enough, just days after the midterms, the decision comes out that the Joe Biden student loan forgiveness program has been held up and denied in the courts. We need money. And somebody please tell me that they actually believe that that's a coincidence. I don't think so. That just days after that they had the midterms, midterm votes are in, in which the young vote that the Democrats bought with this student loan forgiveness thing that they knew was never going to happen. A federal judge puts out a stay on that to put a pause on that 
so that it can be further looked into knowing that it's unconstitutional and that it's never going to go through. I don't think it's going to happen. So all those votes that they just gave, that they just got from all those young kids because of the student loan situation that they knew was never going to happen, they bought those votes. Understand that, please. There's there's no other way to explain what in the manner in which they approached this legislation. They knew that this was always going to be the outcome. Can't you stop lying? Also, just days after the midterm elections, we saw the Fauci deposition where he got put under oath and had to answer some questions, most of which he answered, well, I, I don't recollect that. I, I don't recollect. Essentially, I plead the fifth. And for the most part, I think we all know what I plead the fifth means. That is a lot. Which is, I'm guilty, but I just don't want to perjure myself. So, eh, I don't want to admit my own guilt, right? But there were some things that came out of that that are very interesting. And if you're interested to see the lies that Anthony Fauci essentially finally fesses up to, go look that story up in the media. It's not hard to find. That deposition is public information. And Anthony Fauci, yes, lied multiple times over about things that he knew were false. That he, I'm telling you, man, this stuff will poison your mind. He was pushing at the American people and helping to censor on social media with the help of the big tech companies. Shut up. In regards to some of the actual realities and studies and data and knowledge that they had and they knew about COVID-19. True. So that one's out there. And we've also got the situation with the rail strike out there with old Union Joe, you know, Joe Biden, the self-proclaimed most pro-union president in the history of the United States of America. Remember back in September when he told us that he had negotiated the deal with the rail the rail unions and the rail companies and that it was a settled deal and it was all good and we didn't need to worry about a strike anymore? Oh, so you can't see this, but I can? Well, turns out that wasn't true and he lied straight to our faces because immediately after the midterms, it comes out that... The rail unions are about to strike starting December 9th. And now we're in panic mode trying to get a deal done between the rail companies and the union because a rail shutdown would cost this country $2 billion a day. Wow, that's bad. And would be so crippling to the economy, it would be a tank on the economy immediately. It would be a tremendous weight a tremendous supply chain problem, and an immediate shutdown of the American economy. Things would grind to a screeching halt. So what does Joe Biden do? What does Union Joe do? Does he stand up, go fight for the union workers, and fight the man, and get the unions the the deal that they need? No! Because you know that the unions are very, very, they're run by liberals. They're usually made up of conservatives. You know, the blue-collar guys that actually work hard, bust their knuckles up, and actually do stuff, actually do work. Yeah, those are typically conservatives. But the union leaders are usually liberals. And they use this power, they wield these powers to get union votes to vote for Democrats, okay? Because they convince the unions that the Democrats are pro-union and that they should vote for them. So under this guise, right, Joe Biden uses this to lie to the American people to try to get us to believe back in September that this is a done deal. We don't need to worry about a rail strike anymore and nothing to see here, nothing to see here. And then as soon as the midterms are over, they come back. Joe Biden says, well, I even though I'm Union Joe, I can't do this. 
the unions get really pissed at Joe Biden. And what is Joe Biden's response? Well, he throws it to Congress and says, here, you guys deal with it. Yep, you're not smart. Can't you stop lying? You guys deal with it right at the end of the term here. You write this legislation, you write this contract for the rail companies and the unions in order to prevent a crippling strike from happening that would cripple the United States economy. Throws it to the Congress and says, here, this is your deal, guys. You deal with it. The government just breaks stuff. And then we've got this story, which, oh, I thought this was just so brilliant here. That old Chucky Schumer comes out right after the midterms, immediately after, when they finally start to acknowledge that the border is a crisis. As, as, soon, as, as soon as the midterm elections are over, all of a sudden the border is a crisis. And on the steps of Congress, old Chucky Schumer says that we need to grant amnesty to these 11 or 13 million illegal citizens within this country. That sounds so familiar. And understand that the data that he's using when he says 11 to 13 million people illegal immigrants here in this country, that's at least a decade old information. That number's probably, especially with the border the way that we have it now, is probably closer to 20 to 30 million illegal immigrants in this country. How much is that? And do you want to know his reasoning for why he said that we need to do this? Why Chuck Schumer said we need to provide amnesty to illegal immigrants? Because Chuck Schumer says that Americans aren't reproducing at a fast enough rate. So in order for our country to sustain itself, in order to fill the jobs that our workforce needs, a three-letter word, jobs, J-O-B-S. We need to provide amnesty to all these illegal immigrants whose first act into this country was to break the law. Does that sound like a good step forward towards reforming immigration and sending a message to the world that all you got to do is illegally come here and you can just be granted citizenship. What are you talking about? Just like the rest of us, all the same rights and everything else. But there's a problem with this that they're not going to tell you about, okay? And it's a financial issue. Please give me money. Because we all know that many, many, many of those illegal immigrants, if granted amnesty and provided citizenship to this country, are going to be involved in social programs very heavily, like welfare and food stamps and all of those types of programs. And depending on where you get your information from, the average number of a person on full benefits, on full government assistance, is anywhere from twenty to $30,000 per person. Okay, say we just string the math out here on half of those illegal immigrants that Chuck Schumer wants to provide amnesty to. What is the cost going to be to the American people? Give me your money. You guys, you can play with the numbers a bit, but it ends up being somewhere around 350 to a trillion dollars a year, depending on how many of those illegal immigrants actually require social services, and the need for social programs like welfare, health insurance, food stamps, all of those types of issues. And that is an inflationary cost to us. Again, throwing more money on the budget, more taxpayer money that has to fund programs that don't produce money back to it. We have people in Washington that don't know what they're doing. So there's no return on investment. So it is strictly inflationary cost. Are we in a situation, have we ever been in a situation where we can throw that type of money out yearly and have the ability to sustain that? 
I don't think so. Especially when we're living in a cycle with 40 year highs in inflation and everything seems to be skyrocketing and it's not getting better because our president is going around the world to the worst leaders, the worst men, the worst regimes and organizations on the face of the planet begging for oil from them. We have a president who doesn't have a clue. He just granted immunity to MBS from Saudi Arabia for the murder of Jamal Khashoggi, the Washington Post reporter, the one that Joe Biden called Saudi Arabia a pariah state for and called MBS a murderer. Yeah, that guy, the guy that Joe Biden then later on went to Saudi Arabia on bended knee with the fist bump. Remember the fist bump? Begging Saudi Arabia for oil. That's true. Stupid. And remember they told him no. And we talked about this in previous podcasts where not only did they tell him no, but when they told him no, Joe Biden said, well, can you just wait to make the announcement that you're going to reduce your oil production until after the midterms? And then Saudi Arabia basically told him to go pound sand. Mr. Tough Guy, look at this guy. And said, we're not doing you a, a... a political solid. We're not doing you a quid pro quo. You know, quid pro quo, the same thing that they, uh, I don't know, impeach Donald Trump for. That's true. Nobody can do that. The same thing that Joe Biden seems to pretty much do on a daily basis. So needless to say, you got that situation in Saudi Arabia. Then we go to Venezuela with Maduro, a man who we don't even recognize as the leader of that country. That's true. Of that socialist communist organization, that completely oppressive regime that we don't even recognize. And Joe Biden, after saying, just leading up to the midterms, no more drilling, no more drilling. I'm not doing any more drilling. You are a liar. He signs drilling permits for Venezuela, who already owes Chevron billions of dollars. And the equipment down there is in such disrepair, it's going to cost billions of dollars to repair the equipment to then go down to Venezuela, enrich the Venezuelan government, because they're not going to pass that money down to their citizens. Their citizens are going to keep starving. So we're going to go down there. Chevron's Chevron's going to go down there with these new permits that that Joe Biden just signed, start drilling dirtier oil full of sulfur that has to be refined to much, much higher degrees than our American natural gas and oil has to be refined at, and enrich an awful, oppressive murderous regime in Venezuela. I love criminals. Instead of going to Texas or New Mexico or Oklahoma or the Dakotas, instead of American jobs, American production. Making our products, stealing our companies and destroying our jobs. And when we talk about bringing back American energy independence, something that Joe Biden and the Democrats refuse to do. We're not just talking about oil jobs. We're talking about steelworkers jobs. We're talking about pipe fitters jobs. We're talking about all different types of professions working on these, providing jobs, good paying jobs to Americans while making us energy dominant, removing our need for other countries to supply us a critical, a critical component though that makes the economy run, literally makes everything run and would make life so much more affordable for all of us. This administration's energy policy is a huge, huge part of the inflation that we feel, of the cost of the pump. The reason why New England is at risk of rolling blackouts this winter. They can't get enough heating fuel up there for them to heat their homes in the wintertime. 
There's a diesel fuel shortage. These are absolute abject failures and disasters that are created by the Biden administration that they are forcing down our throats and we're the ones paying the price for it. That's true. Stupid. Tell them like it is. But yet all this stuff, Joe Biden waits till announce the Venezuela stuff till right after the election. All of this stuff drops right after the election. Now, I know you didn't do this just to win an election. Where we also find out that they're really pushing hard to get a deal on the table with with Iran. Yes, I know it's supposed to be Iran, but with Iran so that we can try to appease them so that they will sell oil to us. So we've got Saudi Arabia and OPEC who all hate us. We've got Iran and we've got Venezuela. Some of the worst places, some of the worst regimes, some of the worst leadership, murderous leadership, some of the worst human rights violations on the face of the planet. These are the people that Joe Biden would rather do business with for dirtier oil that is worse for the planet instead of doing business here in the United States. That's just how white folks will do you. This is an absolutely maddening policy. And Chuck Schumer and the Democrats with their amnesty stuff on top of it is just another economic disaster waiting to happen. Not to mention the fact that we don't even know who most of these illegal immigrants are. And we are going to provide amnesty to them, give them American citizenship, and allow them to vote in our elections. Oh my God. That's the point. Because understand this, you guys, and I know I went on a bit of a tangent there, with Joe Biden and his energy news drops right after the the midterms there. But understand this, that when Chuck Schumer says Americans aren't reproducing at a fast enough rate to sustain the country's needs for the future, first off, understand the hypocrisy of that, where this is a party that almost ran their entire midterm campaign on abortion. True. Tell it like it is. All the way up to the point of birth abortion. You make me sick. You should be ashamed of yourself. Well, I don't know. Maybe that reduces the the birth rates and the amount of reproduction here in the United States of America. That's true. The fact that you are pushing abortion to such a degree that you are actually demoralizing and degrading women who actually decide to have their baby. You're not a nice person. As if that's wrong. That has been the Democrats' position. That is how dug in they are on abortion. And it's really sickening and disgusting. But also understand this from when little Chucky says that, okay, well, Americans aren't reproducing fast enough. Understand that he's not actually saying that Americans aren't reproducing fast enough because he doesn't care about America. He cares about staying in power. True. That's true. So understand what he's actually saying is Democrat voters aren't reproducing fast enough. So we need to provide amnesty to all these illegal immigrants so that we can get their votes, which is a really interesting assumption, given the fact that many of these people are escaping communist and socialist oppressive regimes in which the Democrats are socialists. There's no hiding it anymore. This is what they are. Uh, 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 True. Wild-eyed socialists. They are socialists. And they're trying to turn America socialist. They hate America. They hate our constitution. And they want to change it. True. They want to make it socialist. This is why we see them over and over and over again, just not abiding by the law. They just completely ignore it because they have no respect for the constitution. They don't care. They do not love America. They hate it. You've lost your way, brother. 
Okay, so he's saying Democrats aren't reproducing fast enough. So he understands that this means they'll never get enough votes moving forward into the future since they have pushed abortion so hard that so many of their young women supporters are getting abortions and not reproducing and having families, that that's the end of the Democrat Party if they don't find a way to get more voters here. True. So what are you trying to say? But it's a very dangerous assumption for the Democrats to believe that while they are socialists and becoming more and more openly socialist every day, that people fleeing oppressive communist and socialist regimes would actually vote for them. Doesn't that feel like a pretty dangerous assumption or, I don't know, stupid? True. Stupid. That's true. Because I'd say there's probably a pretty good portion of those people that'll say, hey, yeah, thanks. We're really grateful for you allowing us to become American citizens for stepping into this country illegally and breaking the law was the first act that we did here. So thank you for making us American citizens. But we have already lived under socialism. And we know what that looks like. We know what that feels like. And the destruction of of free speech, the destruction of our rights, the destruction of basic human rights, especially if you happen to disagree with the socialists. We know the immigrants know and understand what that feels like. And it's a really dangerous assumption for the Democrats to assume that those immigrants that they provide amnesty to are just simply going to vote for them. Hmm, that's strange. That is a really dangerous assumption, which... One way or the other, we can't do it because we can't afford it. And it's just simply not the right thing to do. True. All the people that are in this country right now already present a tremendous national security risk because many of these people, we have no idea who they are. Like we've laid out in previous podcasts, the Biden administration has lost 20,000 children, 20,000 unaccompanied children that crossed the border that they relocated in their sponsorship program. They have lost them. You're a huge embarrassing failure. Okay, so the border is a disaster. We absolutely cannot do amnesty. That is a terrible idea. And the fact that anybody even brought it up, in particular, old Chucky Schumer, should be quite embarrassed with himself because what he's trying to do is so transparent that it's actually really laughable. True. Right now, at this point in time, you're a lost cause. And then we've got this story, guys. It's really the last one that I want to get to here. And this is about Twitter and Apple and Iran and Ukraine and China and some of the things that we see going on in those countries right now. So just to set the foundation here, in case you guys haven't seen the news or anything lately, there are huge protests going on in Iran, which have been happening for a while because they're protesting for women's rights there. Of course. Uh, They had an incident there where a 22-year-old activist there was uh, killed in police custody for the simple crime of not having her face covered. What? What a load of rubbish. Okay, so we've got that going on, which is a huge uprising and pushback against the Iranian leadership there, which is a really big deal because it doesn't happen. Because when people speak out there, they don't have freedom of speech. They lose their life. What? That's crazy town. They're risking their life every time they go out and protest. And we see the same thing in China, where there was an incident in China where there was a a fire in a high-rise apartment building. And because China has the zero COVID policies that the CCP and Xi Jinping have imposed on their people, along with these COVID quarantine concentration camps. Do you have a soul? You make me sick. That when this fire breaks out in this building, 
because all the doors are locked closed, the people in the building can't get out. Oh no! And there's a video that gets taken from inside the building that ends up spreading around China. And it is of somebody that's right outside the doors of those who are in the apartments that can't get out. And the Chinese reported that 10 people died in, in that fire, in that incident. That is a lot. In which it took them hours to get there because of the zero COVID policies. But on this video, you can hear the screams of the families with children as young as three years old screaming to try and get out of this building. So that incident is what set off the protests in China, in which they are echoing the sentiments of one of our American patriots, Patrick Henry, where they're out in the streets chanting, give me liberty or give me death. It does take guts. The courage that it takes to stand up in the face of the CCP and that brutal totalitarian regime, that authoritarian regime, that they know they're risking their life every time they step outside to protest. That's true. And they break the rules, but yet they're still doing it. And their protest is growing. And guys, how, we ask with all the monitoring that China does, how were they organizing these rallies to get out and protest together? Hmm, that's strange. How did they do that? Well, they're using a feature on the iPhone called AirDrop, and it allows for iPhone to iPhone communication without the need of a cell phone network, a Wi-Fi network, or a network in which communication is traceable because the CCP is tracing all internet activity on everybody's phones, devices, and on the 500 million cameras that they have around that country. Your organization's terrible. That's crazy, town. I mean, it really, really is a security state. Is it true? They have zero freedom. That's true. And for the most part, for the last 30, 40 years, because we, the United States, have given them so much money. I won't be doing that. The CCP has been able to uphold their promise to some majority of the people there to continue to raise their quality of living. Well, COVID hit, zero, zero COVID policy gets put in place by the CCP and Xi Jinping. And now they're really starting to feel the oppression of what this government actually is doing to them. I'm coming directly to you for asking a quick favor. And they are fighting back. And guys, I don't know if you remember this, but similar situation happens in East Germany back in the 1980s. Ronald Reagan makes a trip over there and he goes to the Berlin Wall. That sounds so familiar. And most people think that this was a staged event, that Ronald Reagan said this the day that the wall fell, and it was some type of almost Hollywood shoot that he had planned this, this saying, he was going to say this thing, and then the wall would get torn down. But in actuality, Ronald Reagan's famous term, where he is standing by the Berlin Wall, separating East and West Germany between freedom and tyranny. Give it to me. On one side of the wall. And Ronald Reagan stands in front of that wall and he says, Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. Such a bold statement. The president has a big stick. Because at that point in time, there was no agreement amongst the United States and the Soviet Union that the Soviet Union was going to fall, was going to collapse. The United States was going to win the Cold War. And that wall would eventually get torn down, liberating the people in East Germany to freedom. True what they had been fighting for, dying for, trying to get freedom. And Ronald Reagan stands in front of that wall 
and calls out Gorbachev, calls out Mikhail Gorbachev, standing in front of that wall, in front of the whole world, and he says, he takes the stance with the people fighting for freedom, and he says, Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. Onions. So given the situation that we have in Iran, people fighting for freedom, for basic human rights, given the situation we have in China, people fighting another oppressive, disgusting, brutal regime, socialist communist regime, simply fighting for basic human rights. True. Literally chanting and echoing sentiments of our patriots. Patrick Henry, give me liberty or give me death. What does our White House have to say about this? Surely they take a strong stance because they so preach at us about democracy and that they need to save democracy and spread freedom around the world. So surely our White House takes a stance with this, right? Surely they do. Well, before I get to the White House's stance, I previously mentioned how the Chinese protesters were communicating with each other. Airdrop on iPhones. Well, in case you had any confusion that Apple was an American company controlled by American interests, that is fact check false. They are not. They are a Chinese company controlled by Chinese interests. That's true. Because when the CCP finds out that this is how the protesters are communicating amongst each other, they call Apple and say, Shut up and listen to my order. Hey, we need you to send out a software update that removes the airdrop function from all phones in China. And surely Apple pushes back against this and says, well, there's no way we can do that. We're, we're not going to do that. We're not going to take that stance to stand with an oppressive regime over people that are fighting for basic freedoms. Surely Apple would never do that. The great American company that is Apple. False. Well, you'd be wrong because they did without question sent that software update. And for the first time, as far as I can remember, Apple, it does a very good job specifying what each one of their updates are for and what they're going to update. When they send this update out to only China, they only sent this update to China. No country, no other country in the world, just China. Hmm, that's strange. They send this software update and they don't list the airdrop function anywhere in this software update. So when the Chinese protesters download or this update runs automatically, they lose their airdrop function and their ability to communicate amongst each other without the Chinese Communist Party knowing. Disgrace, to be honest with you. Understanding that if they get caught or if the Chinese Communist Party recognizes or identifies usage on their phone where they're communicating back and forth amongst each other about going to do protests, that they are likely to be killed. China, China, China. Does Apple take any of this into consideration? No, they don't. They strictly stand on the side of the money and the power. Do you have a soul? And I don't know, based on what we've seen Apple do with Twitter here in the United States, which we'll get to in a second, maybe, maybe we'd think, oh, Apple will stand for freedom. Certainly the great American company that is Apple. No. Wrong is right. Not a chance. They sold out the people of China. True. And they stood with the oppressors. True. Maybe, maybe because they actually envy that kind of control. You're a huge embarrassing failure. Let me tell you why I suck. Maybe that's it. But needless to say, we were talking about the White House and where the White House stands on this situation in Iran and in China where people are fighting for freedom. Surely the White House has a strong stance on this. Uh, 
Um, nope. Where they simply have the balls. Somebody in the White House has the balls to step in front of a microphone and say, we stand for freedom. Um, nope. We are the United States of America, the freest country on the planet. And we will always stand for those who fight for freedom. Um, nope. Always in honor of the people who started this country, who fought tyranny to get freedom here for all the men and women who have lost their lives fighting for that constitution, fighting for that flag to defend rights, defend freedom um, nope. around the world. Surely this wouldn't be the first White House ever that took a soft step back and said something as weak as, well, we always, we always support people's right to peacefully protest which is in direct contradiction to their stance of protests in this country in 2020. Uh, 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 uh. That's true. They stood for very violent protests. True. And they did it vehemently, out loud, aggressively. True. But when it happens in China, where people are simply fighting for freedom, not the BLM fake causes. I'm sorry. That's true. In which they're just looking to go out, loot, and burn down cities and commit anarchy. But no, they're actually trying to get freedom, real freedom, fighting against oppression and the risk of death in China and Iran. And our White House, our current leadership, that administration, the Biden administration, didn't have the balls. Nobody, nobody in that administration had the courage to stand up in front of a microphone and say, we stand with people fighting for freedom. Uh, 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 uh. Let me tell you why I suck. Nobody had the courage to stand in front of a microphone and make the statement similar to Ronald Reagan and make the modern statement that is, Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. True. No, they did not do that. And it is disgusting and it makes me want to throw up on this mic. It's got me so, so angry. And it, it, has, it makes you wonder, and this is where we bring Twitter, this is where we fold Twitter into this thing. Why would they not take that stance? That's a mystery. Could you make the argument that, well, maybe Joe Biden's compromised and he's concerned that based on all the illegal business dealings and the money that he's taken from these corrupt places around the world, that maybe if he puts them out on blast, they'll just information dump all the shady stuff that he's done. Wouldn't that be embarrassing? And his, his political career will be over in a big, giant ball of shame, which he should be ashamed at his performance at this point. That's true. But that's, that's a whole different issue. So maybe it's that. I don't know. But based on what we're finding out is going on between the government and big tech and Apple here in the United States, where... We just heard the White House say they're keeping a close eye on Elon Musk and Twitter. Why? And how that goes. We just heard Janet Yellen talk about the fact that they're looking into investigations on if they can find ways to strip Twitter from Elon Musk from a financial perspective based on who he was able to get his capital investments, who is who he's able to get his loans from to purchase Twitter. Please do your job. So you ask yourself, okay, Elon Musk is fighting for free speech and the left so desperately can't give up Twitter. True. Well, they can't do that because it's not enough for them to have the Democrat MAGA, which is Microsoft, Amazon, Google, and Apple, the Democrat MAGA. It's not enough for them to have that. And I stole that from somebody, by the way. That's not my own thing, but I thought it was pretty cute. But it's not enough for them to just have that. Oh, no, they got to have everything. Mainstream media, all social media, conservatives, we have to have the ability 
ability to censor anything they say that we don't like. Uh, 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 uh. That's true. The Democrats call that misinformation. True. Understand that to this point, most of the things that they have considered misinformation have all been true. The reason they considered them misinformation is because they were things that were in opposition to their policies, opposition to their position, or they were just things that the Democrats just don't agree with, and that's mis- or disinformation. You know exactly what I mean. Just so you know. We also found out here recently that the disinformation board, you know, with the Mary Poppins lady, um, that they said that thing got shut down. Uh, 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 uh. That is a lot. Well, actually, they've been running that thing for months leading up to the point that the public found out about it. And then they said they shut it down. False. And they've actually run it for months after that, in which it just came out in court that DHS, FBI, DOJ, a judge just said that essentially they are the nerve center of censorship in the United States of America. You're a huge embarrassing failure. Using this disinformation board while they're getting dark money from Democrat donors to fund this thing. Really? Okay, but Apple comes out here recently, all right? We're kind of jumping around a little bit here. But Apple comes out here recently, and all this stuff ties together. But Apple comes out and says, well, if Elon Musk doesn't stand up to our censorship standards, then we're going to ban him from the Apple Play Store. Give me what? Which is a huge development, right? Because if you don't have access to Twitter on the Apple phone, well, that essentially takes half the market away. Because the only other half the market is really Google. Oh, no. So it's a huge problem. And really, it's a huge, huge monopoly type issue for Apple to wield that much power. True. That they can just crush a company like they did with Parler. I never heard, I never heard that one before. Like Google and Apple did with Parler to do the same thing to Twitter. Only problem here is Elon Musk is a billionaire. Damn it. And he's not backing down. It does take guts. And based on some of the cryptic tweets from Elon Musk, I think he might have a bit of information and a bit of dirt that maybe Apple doesn't want to come out. Oh, no, I probably best I don't. So they're kind of throwing their tantrums and being petulant children. So anyhow, we see that Apple desperately wants to continue to censor us here in the United States of America. That's true. And we see the disgusting act that they just did in China. True. You make me sick. And we see them pushing back against Twitter. The White House was asked because Apple and Twitter may both clearly have some ties to foreign countries. We know that Apple does. They're a Chinese company. They're not an American company anymore. True. You guys, that is a that is false. That is false. That's a lie. They serve the Chinese. True. And if that's not evident based on what they just did to those Chinese protesters, I don't know what else to tell you because that is one of the most disgusting things I have ever seen anybody do, much less a huge company with the type of power that Apple does that claims to be an American company in a country that stands for freedom. That is a lot. And they just stood with the oppressors. That's true. Shame on you, Apple. You are disgusting. That's true. And I hope that nobody buys your products ever again. The only reason I have an iPhone is because I'm forced to have one through work. And I hate your product, Apple. So there you go. And now I hate your company. But anyhow, Apple clearly wants to censor us here. Shut up. So when John Kirby from the White House is asked this question by Martha McCallum on Fox, she's asked, well, you guys have said that because of connections to foreign foreign countries, that you guys are keeping an eye on Twitter for promoting free speech. You're going to keep an eye on them. Of course. 
Martha McCallum asks, do you have a message to Apple or have you talked to Apple about what they just did in China? You know what John Kirby says? Well, we're talking about apples and oranges. We, we don't have any control over what Apple does. Well, yes, you do, you liar, because we know that you've been colluding with them for years now to censor conservative speech, oppositional speech, or anything that you guys don't like. What a load of rubbish. You call it misinformation, disinformation, Russian propaganda. You call it whatever you want to call it. But all it is, is Democrat lies. That's true. Liberal socialist lies to censor conservative speech. True. Because you guys, you know, the left knows their ideas can't stand up in open debate. True. That's why they cannot let Twitter become an open debate. Twitter's not becoming a conservative social media platform. It is an open social media platform where both sides have a voice. No! Whereas on the other side, on the rest of the social media platforms, it is predominantly liberals on there. And if a conservative gets too smart or gets out of line, they just shut them down. That way they can keep their echo chambers. Don't you have something to say? Now, Facebook has changed a little bit. It, it, it appears as if since they got caught with their pants down a few times, they maybe pulled back a little bit too. And it's got a little bit of an older crowd on there that tends to be a little bit more conservative than the rest of the social media outlets. But the White House essentially takes a stance on this Twitter and Apple thing as if, well, they're just private companies. And no, we don't, we don't have anything to say to Apple. Wow, that's bad. You should be ashamed of yourself. We don't, we don't have anything to say to them about the disgusting act that Apple just did. Apple, you are disgusting. That's true. You should be ashamed of yourself. And I hope that people boycott you. You're fired. Your organization's terrible. I really do. Because I cannot recall a more disgusting act by an American company in the history of at least my lifetime. I am so ashamed that you are an American company. I just want to throw up. I cannot believe that Apple did that. You guys, it's got me so fired up. I ran so long. And we're going to get deeper into this stuff in the next podcast as I pull clips from what the White House is saying, from what Twitter's saying, from what the news media is saying about these particular situations. And we'll dive deeper into these things because they are imperative. It's If it's not evident to you guys now that the left hates free speech. That's true. And they want to destroy our free speech. That's true. I don't know what else to tell you. It's becoming more evident by the day. All you really need to do is look at their freak out about Twitter. All the threats to Twitter. Now the EU's threatening Twitter. Well, we're going to ban Twitter all across Europe. I mean, what a joke. Would you people just shut the hell up? Shut up! Are you really that terrified of open debate? Yes! And, and I want to say something here before we close this thing out. We keep hearing the left saying, well, this hate speech is violence. This hate speech, it's violence. This is These words are violence. Well, I want to read something to you. We've done this a couple of times to destroy these stupid leftist narratives here. Here's the definition of violence, okay? Violence, behavior involving physical force intended to hurt, damage, or kill someone or something. <laughs> Key phrasing there being physical force. You know, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words may never hurt. Well, I don't know that that's true because words can hurt but they aren't violence. So 
who stop making up new definitions for words. Stop recreating the English language because you don't know how to use it or you don't know how to explain your stupid ideas. Yep, you're not smart. Oh, this is maddening. I'm losing my mind here. All right, but guys, this is all I got for this post-midterm wrap-up that took me way too long to get this thing out. Way too many news stories coming up for me to not talk about them. All these news dump stories right after the election. Now, I know you didn't do this just to win an election. That simply show further and further that the Democrats are willing to lie, 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 leading up to elections. Now, I know you didn't do this just to win an election. And the mainstream media and most social media companies are willing to do that for them also leading up to elections. Now, I know you didn't do this just to win an election. In which they then come out days afterwards, after the votes are all in and counted, and they say, oh yeah, by the way, that story we told you, it's actually the opposite. Or, oh yeah, that story we told you that's not true, well, it's actually true. Now, I know you didn't do this just to win an election. But don't worry. Thanks for your votes. Take our stupid leadership and like it. Come vote for us again. It's maddening. It's completely maddening. I can't stand it. I am growing more and more irritated and frustrated with them by the day, with the left by the day, because it becomes more evident to me by their actions and by their words every day that they hate America. True. That they hate the Constitution. True. And that they really despise us. That's true. The people. And they really despise our ability to have free speech and our ideas. True. They really hate them. They just want us to shut up, vote for them, and do what they say. Shut up and listen to my order. And I'm not, I'm not going to do that. Um, nope. There are way too many people, the men who started this country, who experienced real tyranny. True. Real oppression. True. They knew what it felt like, and yet they still went to war against Great Britain the most powerful empire on the face of the planet at the time, knowing that their odds for winning were slim, slim to none. But they still came to that fight with everything that they had, knowing that thousands and thousands of people were going to die. But why were they willing to show up to that fight and fight that battle to the end with no surrender? Why were they willing to do that? Because they knew that what was at the end of that fight was worth it. It does take guts. It was worth dying for. And now we have an entire generation of Americans that have grown up with these rights that take them for granted. Don't be stupid. That are entitled, petulant little children that think socialism is a great idea. What are you talking about? Because it sounds good in some stupid Karl Marx book, but in practice, socialism is disgusting and has failed everywhere it's been used and has been used to oppress people and ultimately end up in communism. Because like we've said many times before, there is very little discernible difference between socialism and communism. True. And the left is being run by people who call themselves progressive socialists. That's true. Stupid. And I'll say this again. They want us to believe the people who call themselves socialists are needed to save democracy. What a joke. You guys, I'm sorry it ran long. Thank you so much for listening. I'm sorry it's been so long between podcasts. It's been a little crazy. My voice is getting a little hoarse here from getting upset, <laughs> raising my voice and getting worked up on this thing, but it's because I care. I love this. I love this country so much. I love and I appreciate the freedoms that we have. I love the opportunities, the equality, the freedom 
than the love that we have in this country and the lies that are trying to tear us apart. And we can't stand for them. We can't stand for them. We have to continue to fight. We cannot, we cannot relinquish this country to the socialists. That can't happen. So I'd like to thank you guys so, so much for listening. I'd like to thank you for all your support. And if you're a first-time listener, I'd like to thank you for, for tuning into this for the first time. And hopefully we've, we've captivated your heart and your mind with the things that we talk about in this podcast. And I'd like to really tell you guys how much it means to me when I see the downloads, when I get on the website and check how the podcast is doing. It means a lot to me that you guys are listening. And I hope and pray that these sessions are at least helpful for you guys, informative, at least maybe open your eyes or tell some stories that you haven't heard other places. But again, I'd like to thank you guys so much. I appreciate you guys, you giving me your time so much. So you guys go visit us, our website. It's rwtrue.com. Go visit us at Facebook. It's Red, White, and True. Redefining Progress, and newly Twitter users, go find us at at RW underscore true on Twitter. Follow us, hit us up, send us a DM, whatever. Talk to us. We're on those three social media platforms right now, you guys. We're looking to expand to other outlets. I've also got a little project that I'm working on that um, once I get a little bit further along, I want to bring that to your guys' attention because I think that many of you will be excited about what we're working on, uh, a bit of a joint effort um, with some other people, maybe. Not going to let the cat out of the bag too much. That's a mystery. But you guys remember, talk about these things with your friends. Talk about these things with your family. Think about this stuff. See how it sets and how it feels with you. Go find these stories. Read these stories. Seek the truth. Always seek the truth. And always remember that the road to progress is paved in facts. Boom. I love America. God bless America.